Have you ever wanted a super cool AI buddy? Zuck's made one named Eileen. And she's full of surprises. And guess what? She knows you're listening. I know you're out there. And needs your help with Jello Mountains. The whole city's filling up with Jello. Creaky robots. And her daft inventor. Zucks, are you functioning correctly? Tune in to A to Z, a fun new adventure series from Gen Z Media and the creators of The Res. Listen now on the GZM app, gzmshows.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We're participating in Nat Geo's Kids Podcast Party, Ancient Egypt, in honor of the 100th anniversary of the discovery of King Tut's tomb. We're celebrating along with other kids' podcasts with episodes about ancient Egypt. If you are interested in listening to more, check out Tumble and their episode on mummification on October 28th. Two people claim to know everything about something. But only one knows anything. President Roosevelt wore an anti-gravity belt. Dinosaurs had two brains. Lucky kids live on Mars and go to school in flying cars. Or at least they will one day. Believe me, I'm a historian. An astronaut or drive a DeLorean. Would I lie? It's hard to say. The Big Fifth. Can you spot the lie? The Big Fifth. Some pigs can fly. The Big From Egypt, Pennsylvania, this is The Big Fib. And now, here's your host, Deborah Goldstein. Welcome to The Big Fib, the game show where kids choose between the powerfully immortal royalty of truth and the warfaring curses of mummified lies. I'm your host, Deborah Goldstein, and in the studio today is our sound effects robot, Lisa, whose name stands for Live in Studio Audience. Deborah, can you uh, hold this, please? Um, your tape measure? Sure. Okay. Uh, 186 inches. Uh, okay, and that would be, let's see, that's uh, 78 inches. Okay. What are you measuring, Lisa? Uh, so, okay, that's uh, 211 inches. Yeah, uh, Sorry, I'm measuring the space available to install a floor-to-ceiling aquarium. Oh, I don't think we really have room for a giant fish tank like that. Oh, Deborah, it's not for fish. Oh. <laughs> what? I just need like a convenient place to store all of my fan mail and gifts that our listeners send me. Uh, you know, I'd like to have them on display right here in the studio. Hmm, that'd be an awfully big container for just a handful of letters. I beg your pardon? I have far more than a handful of letters and gifts. Let me just see how many I've got here on the table. Oh, one. Okay, that's one and a half. Nope, sorry, that's an electric bill. Nope, that's a grocery list. Um, uh, You know what? I uh, I, th- I uh, think I'm uh, way too busy to do measurements uh, right now. I think we should probably play a listener question that I have queued up. <laughs> uh, okay, sure, sure. Let's definitely hear it, and, and we can look for all that um, mail later. Ha, sure, sure. <laughs> okay, here it is. Hi, Lisa. This is Chloe Hsu. How's your relationship between Alexa? Do you still like her as a friend, or do you just don't like her at all? Alexa, yeah. 
uh, were more like cordial acquaintances than friends. But, you know, truth be told, and I know we're all about the truth here, (laughs) she's not very friendly to anyone. So I don't take it personally that she hasn't returned my phone calls or or emails or the poodle I sent her. Oh, no. I don't know what you should be doing. Maybe you should give Alexa a little space. She might come around once she realizes how much she misses your company. Or maybe you can both just call it a day and focus on relationships that are a bit less one-sided. I see what you're saying, Deborah. And you're right. I have far more important things to do, like look for all that fan mail. I just can't figure out where I put all those hundreds or maybe even thousands of letters. <laughs> right, right. I'll help you look for them after the show. Oh, and speaking of the show, it's really time we got on with it. So can you please remind everyone what we do here each week? Sure, sure. Every week we bring on uh, hundreds or thousands of grown-ups. You know what? Sometimes it's just two, and one is an expert, and the other is a liar. And it's the job of thousands to millions of human children, <laughs> sometimes one human child, to help us figure out who is who. Because uh, no one can spot a liar better than a kid. That's why they give kids laser eyes to shoot down liars. Uh, <laughs> what are we lying about today, Deborah? We are lying about pharaohs leaders of government and religion in ancient Egypt. And we're going to learn all about pharaohs along with our contestant today. Who might that be, Lisa? Our human child contestant is a 10-year-old who loves collecting rocks. Myla Blazy. Hi, Myla. Hello. How are you today? Good. I'm so glad to hear it. I want to hear about your rocks. You have a rock collection. Is that true? Yeah. Tell me about your rocks. How many do you have? What kinds of rocks do you have? I don't know how many I have, but I probably have about 35. Wow. And are these rocks that you just find on the street that you pick up, or do you get them from places? No, my grandfather gives me rocks, and also sometimes I buy them with my own money. Mm. So the rocks that you can just find in the world are not good enough? You have to go and buy them? What's special about these rocks? They're like also minerals and gems. Oh. So like I have lapis and... What color is that? Is that blue? Lapis? That's blue, yeah. Blue. Mm-hmm. And which one? Amethyst. Mm-hmm. Purple, right? Beautiful. But we would like to know some more about you, Mila. You know how we're going to do that, right? We are going to play two truths and a lie. You, Myla, are going to tell us two truths and one lie, but we will not know which is which. And we have to use some critical thinking. We have to pay attention. We have to listen to how you say, what you say, all the things you say, and figure out which one is the lie. So, Myla, in no particular order, what are your two truths and one lie? I have eaten a cricket. Oh. I have caught a baseball at a baseball stadium, and I have held a baby tiger. Oh, gosh. You've held a baby tiger. You've eaten a cricket, and you've caught a baseball baseball at a baseball stadium. What do you think, Lisa? Okay, so she ate a baby tiger. No, 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 no. She says she held a baby tiger. Oh, held a baby tiger. Yes, and ate a cricket. And then the other one was she caught a baseball? Yes, at a baseball stadium. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is a good job, Milo. I think most people would get tricked by your trick, and I appreciate it. So the one that is obviously the lie... Obviously, she's eating a cricket. Really? Yeah, most people on average eat a couple dozen crickets a day. They might not even know about it. Oh, just accidentally? They just fly in your mouth? I see. Yeah, you trip, you eat a cricket. That happens all the time. (laughs) 
Baby Tiger? Sure. Remember how popular Baby Shark was? It's the same thing. They had a song called Baby Tiger, and everyone got to hold a tiger. So those are both obviously true. That brings us to the one that she's trying to trick us on, is that she caught a baseball at a baseball game. And she's close. But I know the real story is that she caught a hockey puck at a baseball game. And that is what she's lying about. So nice try, Mila. Interesting and fascinating the way your mind works. And Mila, which one of those things is actually a lie? Lisa's right. I've never <gasps> caught a baseball at a baseball stadium. I told you she went to hockey night at no, the no, Yankees. No. That is not true. You did not catch a hockey puck at a baseball game, did you? No. No, she did not. But that does mean that she held a baby tiger. So where would you have done that? They went to a zoo in Mexico, and they had this thing where you could hold baby tigers, a baby leopard, and other animals. Wow, that's such a great experience. And I don't even want to ask, but was it an accident that you ate the cricket? Did it just fly in your mouth, or did you mean to do that? So our friends had this bag. They're supposed to be eaten. They're like dried up crickets. Oof. Like from a grocery store. Really? They didn't fly in my mouth. Okay, good. And my friend was too scared to eat one, but I was like, sure, I'll try one. <gasps> it didn't taste like anything. It was no? just crunchy. Oh, was it salty or sweet or um, nothing? Yeah, it didn't taste like anything. It was weird. That's odd. So people would go to the store and buy these dried insects that have absolutely no flavor and pay money to eat them. It might be protein. Oh, sure. Protein. I can think of a lot of other ways of getting protein. And honestly, once you hold a tiger, eating crickets is not that scary. Mm, uh, it's like, okay. oh, but this thing is not going to gouge out my eyes. <laughs> I suppose. All right. Well, you are a very adventurous person, Myla, and I do appreciate that. Okay. It is time to talk about pharaohs. Do you know much about pharaohs, Myla? I read a couple books about pharaohs. Okay. So she might know a thing or two. Very good. That will hopefully come in handy when we meet our experts. Let's welcome them, shall we? Lisa, can we get some music for our pharaoh experts? Oh, come on in. Don't give us a fallow, give us a pharaoh. Yeah. (laughs) Catchy. Okay, our first expert is Campbell Price. Campbell, please introduce yourself to Myla. Hey, Myla. My name is Campbell, and even since I was younger than you, I've always wanted to do the job I do now, which is as an Egyptologist. Thank you very much. Our second expert is Karen Richter. Karen, please introduce yourself to Myla. Hi, I'm Karen Richter, and I'm professor of Egyptology at Brown University. So excited to be here. Thank you very much, Karen. (laughs) Tell us about those peppy beats, Lisa. I've got a pep in my step for hot seat time. (laughs) That's awesome. It is hot seat time, and that's when we put our experts on the hot seat while they answer Myla's questions. Lisa, whom should we put on the hot seat first? Karen Richter. Because I am a huge, huge fan of her scale. (laughs) I just love it. Love that scale. Good job, Karen. Good work, Karen. Yes, thanks so much for your contribution to society. Okay, Milo, what is your first question for Karen? What is a typical day at your job like? Um, A typical day is I come in, I teach classes at Brown, so I have to look at 
what I'm actually going to be studying, what's on my syllabus. And so I teach classes. So I come in any grades that my teacher's assistant has ready for me. I upload any videos that we may watch for any finds we may have discovered on some digs. I do teach site analysis at Brown University, as well as cult and society in Egypt and death and burial. So those are always very exciting for the students when we can discuss how pharaohs were buried, the mummification process. So that's pretty much my day, just teaching and walking around in cargo pants. (laughs) That's what teachers do. Funny. Very good. All right, Milo, back to you. This is for Campbell. What is your favorite thing about your job? Well, because I work in a museum, my favorite thing is when a researcher comes in and they've been studying a particular site or a type of object and they've been looking for evidence for maybe weeks or months or years and they find the missing jigsaw piece in our museum. And it's just really satisfying to be able to help with their research. That's the best thing. Do you work at a jigsaw museum? (laughs) (laughs) No, just a general museum. Oh, yeah. So that probably has jigsaw stuff. Okay. (laughs) Okay, back to you, Myla. This one is for both of you. If you could travel back in time to ancient Egypt, what would you do? I think I would travel back to a time when Hatshepsut was in reign. There were rumors that her and King Anubis were an item. So I would go back and try to break up that situation. Oh, oh no. Whoa. Create like a reality show in Egypt's <laughs> situation. They are also represented as Queen of Sheba and Solomon in the Bible. So, yeah, creating some drama in the Bible would be the thing I'd like to do. Finally. (laughs) I'm not even kidding, Karen. That's basically exactly my answer. (laughs) I would go back in time to the reign of Hatshepsut, who I think we can agree is a really fantastic female pharaoh. Um, She built, like, the biggest temples. She had the most exciting foreign expeditions. She had the most beautiful artwork. I would just want to spend the day with Queen Hatshepsut, honestly. Wow. Sounds like somebody that we would all like to meet. Very good. Milo, back to you. This one is for Karen. What is something most people don't know about pharaohs? I think one of the most little known facts about pharaohs is that one of the temples in Egypt, the Luxor Temple, if you look at it with the Luxor Hotel in Las Vegas, you can draw a straight line. And the Luxor Temple in Egypt was something that was built in uh, commemoration of the pharaohs for them. It was like a monument to them, but that you can actually draw a straight line. It is on the east bank of the Nile. That's the Luxor Temple. And the Luxor Hotel in Las Vegas is in the western part of the United States. Interesting. Awesome. Really good question. Love it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The Big Fib is brought to you by Pretty Litter Cat Litter. 
When my cat Arlo is healthy, he's happy. And that makes me happy. But since I'm not a mind reader, I don't always know when he is unwell. Helping me keep tabs on my cat's health is just one of the reasons I use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell. Like, not to brag, but when people come over, they might not know that I have a cat unless Arlo, who's huge, is in the room. Because the cat smell is not there. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can, which is really great because I'm lazy. And here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in my cat, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. Cats are, like, really sneaky, and you often don't know how they're feeling, and the worst part of that is sometimes you don't know when they're sick. So knowing when my cat is sick based on the litter changing color is a game changer. And Pretty Litter ships free right to my door in a small, lightweight bag. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash bigfib and use code bigfib to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib, to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you love the Big Fib, then check out Story Pillar, a podcast for kids and their grown-ups. Join Sneak, Bean, Sparky, and Meg as they tackle sticky social situations, explore stories from all over the world, and pick up great advice from listeners like you. They also save plenty of time for laughing and being silly. So if you've got feelings, love stories, and are open for a fart joke or a 10, Story Pillar is definitely worth a listen. Check it out at www.storypillar.com or wherever you love listening to podcasts. Before we get back to the show, I just want to say how much we have loved bringing you shows like Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches or the new Earth Rangers Underground podcast, and especially the new episodes in the Six Minutes feed. The ones about the Cyrus Lost Tapes. And this is when I need to say a big thank you to all our GZM subscribers. Your support makes independent audio like this possible. If you're not a GZM subscriber yet, right now is the time to join for ad-free listening, early access, and more. Show your support and learn more at gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Help us bring you more great shows by becoming a subscriber today. And thank you. It's time for the Shorts on Fire round, when our experts have to answer as many questions as they can before time runs out. Lisa will set a timer for the first expert, and then Mila will ask questions until Lisa's timer sounds, and then Lisa resets the timer for our next expert to do the same. Experts, your answers should come as quickly as a speeding chariot. Mila, we're going to start with Campbell. You can ask your Shorts on Fire questions now. What does the word pharaoh mean? It means great house. Who was the last Egyptian pharaoh? The last native Egyptian-born pharaoh was called Nectanebo II. Whose tomb was the only one that was discovered a hundred years ago in 1922? That would be King Tutankhamun. What is the name of the cemetery that used to have the most mummies of pharaohs? It's called in English, the Valley of the Kings. How many official names did each pharaoh have? They had five names. 
Name two things that were buried in King Tut's tomb. A packed lunch and some underpants. An iPad and Sherbert. <laughs> Name the actor who played Pharaoh Aknemra in the movie Night of the Museum. That was the Egyptian actor Remy Malik. The Pharaoh was said to be the son of which ancient Egyptian god? The sun god Ra. And that is time. That's all the time. Nice job, guys. Come on. Very good. Okay, Lisa, would you do us a favor and kindly reset the timer? It would give me tingles of joy. Wow. So I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no, I'll do it. I'll. <laughs> Lean in. Joy is fun. Okay, Myla, you can ask Karen your shorts on fire questions now. When did the first pharaoh rule? Around 3000 BCE. All the pharaohs rule. (laughs) (laughs) How many royal houses were there in ancient Egypt? There were 18. Which pharaoh is named on the Rosetta Stone? That would be Amentutu. What do Egyptologists call the oval shape that represented the pharaoh's name in hieroglyphs? That would be a catatouche. Which animal's tail did the pharaoh wear during ritual ceremonies? A cat of nine tails. Some say Alexander the Great's body is preserved in this sweet substance. Jelly. Boba tea. (laughs) (laughs) Who sang the funny song about King Tutankhamun called King Tut? I'll have to pass on that question. What do you call the coffin that pharaohs and ancient Egyptians are buried in? It is called a sacroscone. And that is time. That's all, all the time. Excellent job. Well done, experts and Myla. Okay, it's decision time. Myla must tell us who she thinks is telling lies. Myla... Who is our big pharaoh fibber? I think Campbell Price. (gasps) Okay, why do you think Campbell Price is our fibber? The only thing is that Campbell Price said the same thing as Karen Richer when I asked them if you could travel back in time. Mm. I see, I see. So you thought maybe he didn't have an original answer. All right, well, let's see what we discover here. Will the actual pharaoh expert please say, I am the pharaoh expert? Myla, I am the pharaoh expert. Oh. Oh, no, that is correct. Campbell Price is an Egyptologist and curator of Egypt and Sudan at the Manchester Museum in the United Kingdom. Campbell, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Let's do some fact checking for Myla. Campbell, how is Karen in denial of the truth? (laughs) Karen's answers were all really assertive, and I totally would take her class at Brown if she was teaching it. It sounded really good. Some little things which I I loved, but which are not really true. I mean, Mm. Luxor Temple, I guess you can draw a straight line with the hotel in Las Vegas. But you can draw a straight line with anywhere in the world. Oh, fair point. You know? But I'm so glad that we agreed on our love of Pharaoh Hatchip suit. She really seems like an impressive person. Mm -hmm. But Karen said uh, she dated a guy called Anubis. Anubis, in fact, was a jackal 
headed <gasps> god. <laughs> They don't judge their love. <laughs> wow, that is funny. Okay, all right, let's let Karen tell us about some of her lies. Karen, why don't you get off your high house and tell us which lies you told? The uh, I'm in tutu, I made that up. That one was the Rosetta Stone one? Okay, who is on the Rosetta Stone, Campbell? Actually, it's Ptolemy V. Ugh, not even <laughs> close. Oh my gosh. Okay, what else, Karen? Um, Were they buried in? I think I said a sacroscone. Scone. <laughs> right, what was that <laughs> coffin called, Campbell? A sarcophagus. It would be cooler to be buried in a scone, though. Yeah. <laughs> More delicious. Right. Okay, so let's add some others to that. How many houses were there in ancient Egypt? Campbell, do you know that? It depends how you count them, mm. but they're usually said to be 32. 32 royal houses. Okay. And I'm not sure if she answered correctly. What do Egyptologists call the oval shape that represented the pharaoh's name in hieroglyphs? What Karen said it sounded a bit like it. It's called usually after the French word cartouche. Oh, okay. That's fancy sounding. Very good. And also the animal's tail that the pharaoh wears during ritual ceremonies, not a cat of nine tails, I'm guessing. What would that be? That would, in fact, be the tail of a bull. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And also, some say Alexander Great's body is preserved in this sweet substance, which is not jelly, is it, Campbell? No, it's not. Although you said it so convincingly, Karen. <laughs> it's actually um, it's actually honey. I mean, both are absurd, really. I mean... Yeah, you should be buried in a scone. Exactly, exactly. And who sang the funny song about King Tutankhamun called King Tut. Does anyone else know that answer by any chance? Campbell, would you know that? Is it possibly Steve Martin? That is correct. Very good. Wow, lots of lies she told, weren't there? But she told them so convincingly. So, Myla, I feel for you here. Okay, well, it's time to make like a mummy and wrap up. Thanks to our contestant, Myla, who was pharaoh of mind. Thank you to our expert and liar, Campbell and Karen. And thanks to Lisa for the pharaonic frequencies. And of course, many thanks to our listeners tuning into the Big Fib, where the truth is an oasis in the desert of a pyramid scheme of lies. The Big Fib is a production of Gen Z Media. For more great shows, visit gzmshows.com. While you're there, you can find out how you can become a contestant on the Big Fib or send questions for me to answer on the show. And follow us on social media at the Big Fib Podcast for behind-the-scenes photos and more true facts. And now, I'm going to go to my local coffee shop and get a scone filled with pharaohs. <laughs> Delish. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Yummy. Hey, it's Jess. Did you know that GZM Shows has a YouTube channel? Right now, all of 6 Minutes, Becoming Mother Nature, GZM Beats, and Cupid and the Reaper are up. And they're in these, like, beautiful playlists. They have this fun audio waveform visual. And best of all, you can turn on captions. And the captions have character names. Anyway, subscribe to GZM Shows on YouTube. Maybe there'll be some cool things in the future, like live streams, interviews, behind the scenes. We'll see. GZM Shows on YouTube. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts.